Good afternoon, Atlanta. This is The Quest. Thank you so much for continuing to help us do this work of evangelization. We had a great hour last hour. We thank you so much for calling in. Uh, just a great hour. We'd like to thank all of our hosts and all of our helpers here for continuing this work. Folks, we're going to need your call this hour. We're going to have a lot of fun this hour. Uh, we got a lot of guests in the studio. And uh, so we're going to need your calls right away to get things rolling uh, so we can have uh, some great conversations. That phone number 470-508-1160, 470-508-1160. You can also give online at the Quest Atlanta. Dot com. Steve Sponskowski here again in studio along with Maria Forbes. Maria, how's it going? Going well, thanks. Good to be back. Yeah. Well, we're going to have an excellent hour this, this hour, Maria. We have uh, three guests in the studio. Maria, you want to go ahead and introduce our guests? I would love to. We are here with Father Tim Naldowski and his parents, Nancy and Bob Naldowski. And um, we're going to have a lot of fun uh, talking about Father Tim's journey to the priesthood, some fun things about Father Tim, and some great insight for mom and dad. So first, let's start with mom and dad, because that's where it all began, right? Uh, dad, uh, tell us, or sorry, I, I, it's a Bob. Yes. Bob is yes. dad, Nancy is mom, but I have to say mom and dad. Uh, Let's, we're going to start with your story, Bob. Uh, where did you and Nancy meet? We met in uh, school at the University of Florida. Okay. Uh, back in, Nancy was going to Florida State at the time, and I was in Florida, and uh, mutual friends got us together. Blind date. Blind date. Tell us about that, Nancy. <laughs> uh, blind date for homecoming weekend at University of Florida. So I went down on the bus, and he met me, and... I guess it all started there, so um, good things. What did you think of Bob Nancy when you saw him? Uh, first she, was, she was impressed. <laughs> first impression was a little, you know, funny, but um, he grew on me, so. Yeah? What was he wearing? Uh, cut off jean shorts. It was the 70s. Cut off <laughs> stars and stripes and jean shorts, right? <laughs> wow. So, so Father, that was Father Tim that asked that question. There's a, is there a, a significance to that, Father? No, I just remembered hearing the, the red, white, and blue jean shorts that <laughs> were quite unique. All right. And, you, and where, where did you get married? Uh, we got married and um, well, I was not Catholic at the time. I was Methodist. So we got married in the Methodist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, mm -hmm. where I had grown up. And we had uh, three officiants. So we had my uncle, who was a Methodist minister, and then we had the minister of the church, and then we had the Catholic priest that came also to bless the, the marriage. So it was it was unique in that in that regard. Yeah, and so that was how many years ago, Bob? Oh, this is a test. That was in 1976. So that was <laughs> what. Uh... 45 years ago. 45. It actually says 43 on my notes, so the notes are wrong, and you're right. So 45 years yeah. ago in 1976. Wonderful. Um, and uh, so 45 years ago, and uh, and you said, Nancy, that you weren't Catholic, but are, are, have you since joined the church? Yes. So um, I had always said I would never be Catholic. Mm -hmm. um, I had grown up in a Catholic neighborhood. We were right next door to the Catholic church and the Catholic elementary school and high school, and so I had a lot of, you know, friends who were Catholic, and I had different experiences over the years going to the Catholic church, like CYO dances and things like that. They don't call it CYO anymore, but that's what it was yeah. then. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, but we got married, and I said, okay, well, don't expect me to become Catholic, but I will raise our children Catholic if that's what you want. So um, when I was pregnant with our second child, I decided that um, I would go to the, the classes that they were offering to just sort of learn more about the Catholic Church. I wanted to be able to explain things better to my children and not, you know, give misinformation. And um, I guess the Holy Spirit, while I was there, just led me. And I guess what I found, when I found out about the Eucharist, that's what attracted me, because I felt like that's what was missing from my Methodist faith was um, the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. So that's what really attracted me. And I, I decided I'll, I'll figure all the other stuff out as we go along. So it's just been a journey, and my faith has deepened and deepened more over the years. We're, we're going to circle back to that. What a beautiful thing that drew you to the church, the Eucharist. Um, and you have a priest, a, a priest who brings for us, confects for us the Eucharist at Mass. So we're, we're going to come there in a little bit. So, but, uh, so you... Uh, 
have how, how many children do you have? Four children. Four children. And uh, Father Tim is what number in the lineup? He's the youngest. The youngest. Okay, the youngest child. And Father, you're in the studio here. Tell us a little bit about your, about your parents. What, what, uh, what do our listeners need to know about your parents? Everything you've ever wanted to say on live radio about, about mom parents? and dad. <laughs> well, since I'm the youngest, they were, they were always the older parents among my, my friends. Um, but uh, they, they were very good uh, in setting in examples of living the faith growing up. Um, mass was always a priority uh, on Sunday. Even if we didn't go together, we, everybody got to Mass. Um, and we uh, always ate dinner together. Uh, said the blessing before we ate. Sometimes a few bites in, we would remember and say the blessing. But uh, <laughs> I always, I always held on to those two things. Kind of as uh, I, I thought that those were just sort of average, what average Catholic families do. But then I learned over the years that maybe not so much. Uh, that families don't prioritize going to mass, especially on vacation. We even went to mass on vacation, um, or you know, eating together and praying together. So uh, that that was pretty formative to me growing up. And so, Mom and Dad, uh, Bob and Nancy, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Father Tim when he was no, before he was Father, uh, growing up. Some fun stories. They don't have to be embarrassing; just fun. Tell us a little bit about Father Tim. He was our uh, kind of our the class clown of our children, you know, okay. cutting up and uh, a lot of fun. He was, you know, he was the baby, so. So all the older kids said you got spoiled, right? My older siblings yeah. said I was spoiled. Yeah, I'm like an oldest son, and all my younger siblings are spoiled. That's all. I argue that my oldest brother was the spoiled one, though, because uh, he was kind of the test son. <laughs> he got all the cool stuff. <laughs> he, he had uh, an aquarium that he would constantly redo. He had uh, a Camaro that he got to put a new engine in, a new transmission, and then he had uh, a, a sound sound system, I guess, uh, a hi-fi setup that he would constantly return the speakers to hi-fi buys and get better ones and better ones. And so by the time my old, my middle brother and I, uh, you know, got to wanting all those things, they'd learned don't, don't give them everything like they did with the oldest. So you got his leftovers, right? Yeah. Got <laughs> I, I, I got to play with his old uh, RC car um, and, you know, one of the wheels was broken, but it was kind of taped back together. So uh, all the hand-me-down toys and clothing and all of that fun stuff. But that didn't necessarily stop you from getting things that you desired. No. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about that. What's uh... (laughs) well, he was kind of like his older brother in that regard. He he wanted he wanted some of those. Okay. A lot of those things. So. um, So tell us a little bit about your hobbies, Father. What what are some of the things you enjoyed doing as you were growing up? Uh, When I was growing up, um, I played sports just to fit in in elementary school and middle school basketball, soccer, baseball. Um, although I don't know that playing them was really the best word to use. I was there, I was on the field. Um, and uh, every once in a while, they would put me up to bat and I would hope for uh, hope to get walked or, or <laughs> stick my leg out and get hit by the ball. Uh, that was generally how I would get on base. Um, and then in middle school, I started um, in the uh, drama program. Uh, I was at St. Jude. So I uh, started doing theater and then continued doing that in high school. Um, so that was kind of my, my hobby uh, growing up. And uh, I think it's something that really helped me to be able to get up and speak in front of people and to look out and see strangers' faces and be able to be comfortable talking to them. So that, that was uh, one of those things that I guess God set in motion uh, for a reason that I didn't understand at the time. Folks, if you're just joining us, you're hearing the voice of Father Tim Nadolski. We're in studio with Bob and Nancy, his parents. My name is Steve Splonskowski in studio here again with Maria Forbes. And this is our pledge drive. We're going to need your help this hour. We're going to have some fun. As you can hear, we're going to go back and hear some stories about Father's vocation and his walk. Um, and I'd like to invite you to call in 470-508-1160, 470-508-1160, or you can give online at thequestatlanta.com. You can give in honor of the Nodolskis, like Kathy just called in and said, I want to give a monthly gift, and this is a leadership gift. So thank yeah. you, Kathy, for that leadership gift in honor of the Nadolskis. Uh, this hour, you can call in in honor of the Nadolskis or in honor of your priest. If you have a son who's a priest, uh, a, a daughter who's a religious, anything 
Um, you know, we want to celebrate our Catholicism, especially celebrate the sacrifices that uh, I am just blown away by the, the young um, the young men and women in our church who step up and give up so give so generously of their lives. I, I just I just stand in awe of of the faith that is that is uh, that they're responding to that the the way they're responding in faith. So let's 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 shower them with accolades. Uh, and one way you can do that is by calling in and giving a pledge in their honor four seven zero five zero eight eleven sixty or online thequestatlanta.com. com. Yeah, speaking of that, we it's so funny. Um, you know, we signs are are an interesting thing and you were talking Father Tim about being in the um, you know, in front of people in the you know, in the way of I guess I'm thinking plays, school plays. Um, you maybe did you aspire to be an actor at that time or a singer? Or at was, one point, yeah, I kind of I I like doing comedy. Uh, I wanted to be on uh, Saturday Night Live, and then I wanted to take over for Conan O'Brien. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, oh, that's interesting. That, yeah. that kind of waned uh, pretty early on in high school. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, so it was interesting because I, uh, I was telling um, your parents that well, I have a good friend, and we, her oldest son, we were just sure he wanted to be a priest. And, well, nothing's happened yet, but, you know, we're, we're still hopeful. And it's interesting when we think about signs, you know, what was there when you were growing up? Um, the, you know, being around the, uh, in the drama um, uh, sort of area of high school and um, learning to be in front of people. What else happened to you that, that you feel was profound in some way or significant in some way? Well, looking back, I, you know, I never really considered the idea of being a priest growing up. I thought that to be a priest, you had to be a hundred years old and from Ireland, um, <laughs> and uh, just never really crossed my mind. Um, and uh, when I was in senior, my senior year at St. Pius, um, I had both Monsignor Lopez teach and Father Dan Rogacheski. Uh, he taught us as well. And um, Father Dan's class had a section on vocations, and we spent most of the time on marriage. Um, and then briefly talked about priesthood, and he said, um, one of you will be a priest uh, in this class. One of you will be a priest. And so I thought, well, not me. Um, and uh, then I remember about a year later, uh, I called him uh, from college. I was at Berry College, and I called him, and I said, hey, remember when you said one of us is going to be a priest? I said, I think I'm going to go to the seminary. And it was funny because he said, oh, well, I already knew that. That's That's why I... <laughs> That's why I said that. Wow. Uh, so he was, and I asked him, I said, why didn't you, why didn't you point that out to me or maybe ask, had I considered being a priest? He said, I didn't want to push and I didn't want to uh, make you uncomfortable, but also I thought it'd be fun to watch you figure it out on your own. Wow. That's great. What happened at school? You know, you were at college. What were you thinking? What was going on? Well, so I went to Berry College um, and I, I worked at Chick-fil-A all through high school and uh, was at Berry College on a scholarship through the Windshape program. Um, which is kind of a Christian leadership uh, scholarship, but uh, it was mostly fundamentalists um, and a few. Our program director was a Calvinist, um, and uh, he was upset when I told him that I was leaving at the end of the first year because he was a Calvinist. I said, well, didn't you already know that? Um, But he didn't appreciate that humor. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it was a a unique experience for me there because I had to – really learned to defend my faith. Um, and I'm stubborn. So people would ask me questions and I could answer the basic ones. Like we don't worship statues and things like that. Um, but then as we, as more and more questions came along, I would say, I know that I'm right and that you're wrong. I just don't have the answer yet. So I'm going to get back to you. So I spent a lot of, uh, nights at college, uh, on Catholic answers or, uh, fish eaters or different, different websites that, uh, had all that information. And that really just kind of made me delve deeper and deeper into my faith. So you were, you considered yourself a Catholic as a child, mm-hmm. as a, you know, teenager. You, yeah, I never had a period where I was away from the church. Yeah, interesting. And friends? Were there friends that were the same? Um, yeah, I, I was really close with a group of friends in our youth group. Um, and then even my, my Boy Scout troop uh, was through the church. So yeah. everything kind of focused around the church growing up. I have so many burning questions for you, but one is that, do you think that exposure to other priests was formative in some way? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, seeing, uh, like I said, you know, the priests at, at high school, um, 
even just the priests uh, growing up when I was at St. Jude in elementary school, they would come into the room and visit. Um, and I remember it was always a very formal thing. Uh, Monsignor O'Connor would come in and everybody would stand up in unison and say, good morning, Monsignor. And then he would tell us to be seated. Um, and uh, that I've, my previous assignment was in Athens and we had a school there. Uh, and I really enjoyed that, I, getting to go into the classrooms and whatnot. Uh, the, the children didn't stand up and say good morning, Father Nadolsky. Um, but uh, it, it was always fun to just go in there and usually kind of stir stir the pot uh, with the students and kind of you know get them get them all riled up and then leave them for their teacher to deal with. Yeah. So did your um, kind of comedic approach to uh, life and fun? Did was that did that uh, help you relate to the kids? I think so. Yeah. Um, I, I've uh, since before becoming a priest, I really wanted to focus on the idea that uh, priests are normal people. Uh, that again, you don't have to be a hundred years old and from Ireland to be a priest. You can you can be just a, a young person, and th- they were young people at one point too. Most of them were when they were ordained, um, but that you can just be fun and relate to people uh, with things in their lives. So you know, I'd walk into the seventh or eighth grade classroom and uh, start talking to them about video games, and the teachers would kind of scratch their heads and then realize, wait a minute, these kids are actually talking to the priest. So I guess that's a good thing. Uh, so yeah, try try to relate to them uh, with with things that still are common for them and me. Yeah. Do you ever get what, remember any funny questions kids would ask you? Um, let's see. Uh, well, they always ask, you know, where do you live? Um, and you know, they they think that you live at the church, was- which you do kind <laughs> of. Um, but they think like actually inside the church, probably like how they think teachers live live in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're they're surprised, you know, to know that you know you go on vacation or, um, you know, that you that you do have fun, that you can play video games or watch movies or, um, whatever sort of things that people do, um, and, and they always just think that we have to be like quiet and boring and just do our own thing. And mm-hmm. uh, but I think it's great. Yeah, go ahead, Steve. Well, I, I, you know, I, I'd like to back up just a little bit into the story where you you kind of discerned the priest you're coming in the seminary and mom and dad. I want to go back to the you know when when father tim came home and said hey i'm going to enter the seminary what what went through your minds we didn't expect it but we accepted it mm-hmm. it was, you know, we were behind you then so go ahead do it yeah mom your thoughts <clears throat> yeah i mean it was a little surprising you know because he he had gone off to Barry college with this you know idea to get a business degree and become a chick-fil-a operator you know and mm-hmm. owned a chick-fil-a franchise and so um he came home and told us i think at thanksgiving time yeah it was thanksgiving um and i'd already told my sister because she lived up there in rome uh where barry is and so i would already told her um and kind of asked her and her husband for help on how to tell everybody else so we were home at thanksgiving and i called everybody into the into the room and it wasn't something that we normally did and i said i got i got something to say and who knows what's going through their minds, you know, coming back from college after my first semester and, you know, what, what sort of trouble I could have gotten myself into. Um, and I sat him down. I said, turn the TV off. Uh, Wheel of Fortune can wait. Um, <laughs> and uh, I said, well, I think I'm going to, uh, I'm thinking about being a priest. I think I'm going to go to the seminary. Uh, and they all just kind of looked at me like that was not what they expected me to say. Um, but yeah, as as it went on, um, I remember them telling me that you know they were supportive of me when I wanted to be an actor. They were supportive of me when I wanted to uh, be a pilot. That was the other one. Uh, the inter- I still want to be a pilot. Um, and uh, actually, I've got a parishioner who has a plane. And he's taken me up flying a couple times, and he says he's going to help me get my license. So, um, so priests can have fun. Priests can have fun. Oh, what the yeah. heck! I didn't know that. <laughs> Exactly. That's great. Yep. Folks, uh, if you're just tuning in right now, we are visiting with the Nodalskis, Bob, Nancy, and Father Tim, sharing his vocation story, their life story. Folks, uh, we're going to step away in a couple minutes for a break, but we do need your help. We're having a, a great time this hour. Hey, folks, this hour, if you call in, we are going to match your dollars. Match. There's a match available this hour, so if you call in, dollar for dollar match in honor of our priests and of their sacrifice for the church. So give us a shout, 470-508-1160, 470-508-1160. You can also give online at thequestatlanta.com. That's thequestatlanta.com. And again, remember to download that mobile app. We are visiting this hour about vocations. You could call in and give in honor 
uh, Father Tim Nodalski's, am I saying that right, Nodalski? Mm-hmm. Nodalski's uh, vocation, or in honor of your priest, if you've got a daughter, sorry, a son who's a priest or a daughter who is, is religious, um, call in in honor of the sacrifice that they are making for our beautiful, beautiful church um, and how they're leading with their, you know, their life is an example to us. Four seven zero five zero eight eleven sixty or thequestatlanta.com. My name is Steve Sponskowski in studio here with Maria Forbes, and uh, this is The Quest. This is your radio station, um, and it is supported by you. It is listener-supported. We get no money from the government, no money from the church. It's all listener-supported. Programming is provided by EWTN, Catholic Answers, Ave Maria, and some local shows, as you just previous hour, uh, was is a local show guest or host from your local show. We are here to support you, you support your faith, and to honor the good work that the Lord is doing in this community. 470-508-1160 or online, thequestatlanta.com. We'll be back in just a few minutes, so don't go anywhere. We need Catholic radio because we really need an influence that's countercultural. We need an influence that's going to remind us of what's really important in our lives. Remind us about our faith as our top priority. Remind us of why we're here on this earth to make a decision to become more and more like Christ. And that's the job of Catholic Radio. To donate, go to thequestatlanta.com. Everyone feels lonely at times, from college freshmen to the homebound to people married with kids. But the reality is, alone is a lie. It never existed. Even in the abyss before space and time, there was the Trinity, one God who was a communion of persons. And not only is He with you, He surrounded you with angels and saints. When Elisha the prophet was surrounded by an army that wanted to kill him, his servant was terrified until he had a vision. He saw horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You might be in a hospital, experiencing a broken relationship, or feeling rejected because of your faith. But you're surrounded by an unseen army. You're part of the body of Christ, connected with people all over the world struggling just as you are. And you have Jesus at your side, who experienced the pain of isolation, so that when you feel really lonely, you'd have someone to feel really lonely with. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. Over 32,000 pregnancies from rape occur in the U.S. each year, and most of the affected women not only choose to have their baby, but also choose to raise the child themselves. They don't consider the child to be the baby of a rapist, but rather their precious child. After everything the rape victim has endured, it's an insult to the mom to label her child the baby of a rapist. Rebecca Berg, who had a child conceived in rape, had this to say, I'm tired of these children being demonized like this. Women are capable of great love for their children and must be given more credit for this. My son's gentle spirit and thoughtfulness of others confirm there is not a rapist gene. When I look in my son's eyes, I only have love. These babies' lives matter. Fight for the lives of babies conceived in rape. Let's show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station, The Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to The Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. This is The Quest Atlanta. Check us out, thequestatlanta.com. You're saying, where's my local programming? Well, actually, this is local programming. Where is my regular programming? Well, we're uh, covering it up right now so we can come to you live from the studio right here in Atlanta, sharing stories and in giving you the opportunity to help us continue this work. 470-508-1160 or 470-508-1160 is our phone number or thequestatlanta.com. 
Com. Help us continue this work. My name is Steve Splonskowski in studio with Maria Forbes. We are visiting with Bob and Nancy Nadalski and Father Tim Nadalski. And in the first half hour, we really just talked about uh, the journey. Uh, we talked about Bob and Nancy uh, when they got married uh, 45 years ago. And uh, Nancy came into the church, and one of the things that she was drawn to the church for is the Eucharist, of course, and then uh, now Father Tim Nadalski is a priest who is bringing to us the Eucharist. We've uh, journeyed a little bit through his discernment into the seminary, um, and as you mentioned before, he uh, had to go home and say, you know, after one year of college, okay, folks, turn off Wheel of Fortune. I got something to tell you, and uh, and we were just talking a little bit over the break, kind of the response of your of your family members. I'm just saying, okay, well. Okay, we'll see, right? Well, what's what's the next step? So after you told your family that you were gonna, you were heading to the seminary, uh, Father Tim, what was the, what were the next steps? Well, I, I wasn't sure uh, when that was going to be because this was just November of my freshman year of college, um, and I was under the expectation that I would have to finish college um, and then go. And so the you know question was, well, should I study philosophy in college instead of business? And then um, between Christmas and New Year's, I went on the um, discernment retreat that the Archdiocese puts on, and uh, one of my uh, classmates that I was ordained with, Father Branson Hip, um, he's the chaplain at Georgia Tech right now, but he was a freshman in college seminary, um, and he got up and gave a talk. And after I heard uh, his talk, and I thought, oh wow, I can do this now. I don't have to wait. Um, and something that weekend, the Holy Spirit just kind of touched me uh, and said, this is this is the time. So I went ahead and applied. Uh, to the seminary, and then um, that following school year, I uh, well, I was accepted to the formation program, and then I applied to the Pontifical College Josephinum in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, went there, uh, finished my uh, three more years of college there, got a degree in Spanish, and then ended up staying there for four more years um, for my theology. So I was there for seven total years, which was kind of a long time to be in one place, especially gray and gloomy Columbus, Ohio. Um, <laughs> and when you're in a school that only has, uh, really the college was 100 men and then the theologate was 100 men, so 200 total, but in the separate schools, just 100. Um, when you're in a school that small for that long, uh, everybody knows everything. So it was uh, a, a unique experience, to say the least. And uh, you were ordained? In 2015. 2015. 2015. Mom and Dad, uh, uh, Bob and Nancy, talk to us a little bit about uh, that that journey through the uh, major seminary years. Of course, the, there's the diaconate is a step in there. Um, and actually, maybe back up to that a little bit. Uh, the step into the diaconate is where basically you're, if you become ordained a deacon, it's, that's kind of the point of commitment, right, to the priesthood? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, that's when we make our promises of celibacy and prayer. Right. Abs- and obedience. Yeah. So, so how was that journey for you, Mom and Dad? How was that, uh, that journey through the seminary up to the diaconate or even into the diaconate? Um, I mean, we just kind of journeyed along with him. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he would share things with us. So we learned, you know, I think it increased my faith. I think I learned some more things about the church as he was learning more and more about, about things. And then, um, of course, just going, I'd never been to an ordination before. So, you know, that was our first experience, I think. With an ordination was his diaconate ordination. And it's just a kind of surreal moment. And he was our fourth student to go away to college. Uh, the first year, Barry, we were familiar with, with our daughter Erin, had been there before. And but then to go to Columbus, Ohio, far away. That was the furthest any of yeah. them had gone. So. And we went and visited a few times for that. And uh, you know, got to see you host the mud bowl, things like that. <laughs> had some fun. Yeah, he had a flyover for that, too. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we had an annual football game between the uh, college and the Theologate. And um, you would think that the Collegians would usually win because the Theologate was a bunch of old men. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't always the case because they were older and smarter. Um, and, uh, yeah, that one, one year they came up um, – and happened to be there for the weekend when we had the football game, and we were directly north of Ohio State, and so the F-15s flew over to head to Ohio State, but they flew over us first. So we joked and said that we arranged that. Nancy, when you mentioned the uh, 
the diaconate, uh, when he was ordained to the diaconate, he said it was surreal. Can you, uh, can you give us a little more uh, detail on that, a little more uh, of your experience there? Um, I guess just the idea that it was actually going to happen, you know, and um, just being there and, and seeing him, you know, like, I mean, they lie down prostrate and, you know, they make their commitments and just, you know, I guess it just started to register then, you know, what it was really all about. And, and Father, how was that for you, the diaconate ordination? It was terrifying. Uh, <laughs> I was shaking and sweaty, and then the next morning uh, I served my first Mass as a deacon and preached, and I was incredibly nervous. Um, and then I remember the following year when I was ordained a priest, I was expecting it to be the same, but all of the nervousness went away. Um, but, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting, um, you know, recognizing that you're promising obedience to somebody for the rest of your life. Um, you're promising to pray the liturgy of the hours for and with the people for the rest of your life. Um, you're promising celibacy. Uh, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a, obviously a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Um, and I remember kneeling there um, in the cathedral as Archbishop Gregory prayed the prayer of consecration over us. And people always ask this, well, did you feel it when you, know, when you were ordained? Like, did something, and you don't really feel, I mean, did you feel something when you were baptized or did you feel something when you were confirmed? Um, you know, other than just kind of the tingly sensation of, I know, I know what's happening right now. Um, and I, I remember that was a very, um, a very real moment for me. Folks, if you're just joining us, you're hearing the voice of Father Tim Nadalski. Also, Bob and Nancy in studio are talking about his journey to the priesthood. Uh, we're just getting up to his diaconate and then talking about his ordination to the priesthood. Folks, give us a shout this hour in honor of all the sacrifices that our priests make, our young folks make um, in serving the church. Give us a call, 470-508-1160, 470-508-1160. Just remember that this hour, every dollar you give is doubled. Doubled, so one dollar you give to us is two. You give us two, it's four. I'll let you do the rest of the math on that. You can also give online, thequestatlanta.com thequestatlanta.com. We just had Lynn checking in, and she says, Father Tim, we miss you at St. Joe's in Athens. So, Lynn, thank you so much for that. Do you know who Lynn is, Father? There were a few Lynns in St. Joe's. <clears throat> I, I, I'm not supposed to say last names okay. on the air. Okay, so, okay. So, so I won't. I'll, I'll show you. I'll show you the name, but she can't say it out loud. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know her. All right, Lynn, thanks for calling in. I uh, appreciate your, your donation. And, folks, you can join Lynn and Kathy, who have called in this hour at 470-508-1160, or you can give online, thequestatlanta.com. And Father, you wanted to share something. You said, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm saying the sacrifices that you make uh, the, as a priest, but also you say the parents make a sacrifice too. You want to talk a little bit to that? Yeah, because I think, like my mom was saying, you know, she learned more about the process as I was going through it. And um, you know, sometimes the hardships that uh, we had in the seminary that we didn't really expect. A, a lot of guys go to... Uh, seminary and they think it's going to be like this six or seven year long retreat um, and it's not um, so some of the disappointments and some of the the hardships there you know and sharing those with my parents you know i think uh kind of bring them into that uh, i remember one story though that my mom told me um it's the uh, the ultra christus society does the uh did an annual um parent appreciation mass and dinner um for the parents of seminarians. And I think I remember my mom telling me that um, at, there at the at the dinner, she was in the bathroom and noticed another mom in there that was kind of upset. And I can't remember if you said she was crying or not, but for, for the sake of, uh, of, of the story, we'll say she was crying uh, and just didn't quite know what to expect. Her son had just entered the seminary. And I remember my mom telling me that she hugged her and consoled her and said, you know, it's going to be okay. Um, you know, we, She we, had kind of a deer in headlights look. Like, mm -hmm. It's just overwhelming to her. So you were able, you were able to support her because you were going through that same. I mean, I just gave her a hug, you know, and said, it's, you know, it, it gets better. I, it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, and um, for whatever reason, people think that um, the priest's parents are all, you know, saints, and they think, you know, that they must, the mother must be just like the Blessed Mother, and have 
had prayed for uh, one of her three sons to be a priest, and um, my mom said that you know she didn't really do that, pray for one of us to be a priest. A lot of your friends did, I think. That Well, I had two close friends, and yeah. I know they probably prayed for their sons to be priests, and they didn't become priests. So it must have rubbed off on... I wasn't the quintessential Catholic mother that constantly prayed for her sons to be priests. So. Um, but the Holy Spirit has works in this, and God has a plan. You know? But what's what's interesting, and even you know today, I, we uh, my parents are actually just with me on a pilgrimage with some of my parishioners, um, and it's interesting because people will meet them and you know look at them and think that you know they must have done something uh, great. They must have done something so holy to had inspired a, a priestly vocation. Um, and I think that they would both say we didn't we didn't do anything like on purpose to try to inspire a priestly vocation. They gave the best example they could. Like I said earlier, the example of going to mass every every Sunday and uh, and prayer, um, but. So I, I think sometimes the sacrifices that they have to make are, you know, having people come to them and look at them and, you know, say how, you know, you, you must have done something great uh, to produce this this son and this priestly vocation. And they're remembering all the trouble that I got into uh, and, and when I was younger, the trouble that I still get into, uh, you know, that uh, they're, they just kind of, I guess you have to nod your head and just say, okay. But. <laughs> Folks, uh, you're listening to the voice of Father Tim Dodalski and his parents, Bob and Nancy. Uh, this is our pledge drive. Give us a, give us a shout, 470-508-1160, 470-508-1160, or give online at quest the Atlant- or thequestatlanta.com. This hour, uh, folks, we have a $3,000 goal. Actually, we have a $3,300 goal in honor of the priesthood. $3,300 goal this hour, and $3,300 will be matched so far. We're at $1,215, so we're going to need your call. Get us to that $333 mark, the 33 number, in honor of our priest in studio, Father Tim Nadolski, and the sacrifices that his parents make uh, for, for the priesthood uh, here. So give us a call, 470-508-1160, 470 or online, thequestatlanta.com. I'm in studio with Maria Forbes, and uh, we're continuing this conversation. Yes, great. And I'm thinking, Father Tim, about young men um, listening to this conversation or families of young men who may have um, expressed an interest in, you know, not necessarily priestly vocation, but some vocation. And just thinking about other priests who have said what you said, that it wasn't a sudden life event necessarily. It's it's how God's calling you, and it happens at different times for different people. Um, but what would you say, what kind of advice would you give somebody, another young guy who's out there thinking, I think there may be something different for me out there. Maybe God's calling me to something other than that business degree or you know a career, secular career. Well, I, I advise all young men to first discern a vocation to the priesthood before anything else. Um, there's really nothing to lose in doing that. Um, it might be a little scary at first uh, to think that, well, no, God couldn't be calling me to be a priest, but he called, uh, you know, St. Peter and a bunch of other kind of ragtag people uh, that were not the ones that you would expect. So he does. He calls anybody. Um, and so be open to that. Uh, and and explore that. Is God asking me to be a priest? Is God asking me to do something more? Um, and just start there. Yeah, we're we're such a culture of signs. You know, the show me, show me. What do I need to know? What 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 should I be seeing? Right. Um, and is is that sometimes just an internal nudge of you know how do you describe to other other guys out there that might be saying I'm I'm feeling you know some discontent maybe or yeah, again, I think for me it was just everything that was sort of going on around me uh, in my life was pointing to it. And I mentioned that I spent a lot of time, um, you know, researching Catholic teachings and whatnot to better answer questions. And in doing that, I, I literally stumbled upon the vocations office webpage for Atlanta and started looking through that. Um, and that, that really got me thinking. So um, just, yeah, be open. Yeah. Be open, absolutely. You know, um, Bob and Nancy, I've heard so many times, converts make the best Catholics. And so, and I have a lot of uh, convert friends who are fabulous, wonderful 
faith-filled Catholics, but I, I wonder with the two of you, you know, with your active faith life, um, active in your parish and, and being at St. Jude's for a number of years, do you, do you think that had any kind of influence on your family? Even, you know, beyond Father Tim, the other children, just their, their faith life? Well, I mean, we hope it did. <laughs> um, we always tried to give them the example that you need to serve your parish. So, you know, we always volunteered. Um, I like to joke that Tim, he was a baby and I took him to, uh, I was like the head of the women's guild and I would take him in the little carrier to the meetings and uh, the women would pass him around while I led the meeting. And so who knows how many of those sweet ladies would maybe gave a prayer at that time, right. you know, for him, Secretly for the future. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, we often talk about, you know, influences of, you know, what what can parents do out there who have, you know, young men, adult, young adult children or teenage children, and, you know, what are some of those things that, you know, you look back in hindsight and say, mm-hmm. it's probably good my kids were there, or my kids served in this way, or they met the priests at, at you know, at our parish, or um, other other influences mm-hmm. that may have stuck with them and, and influenced their faith. Right. I mean, I think, I think you always look back and say, well, I wish I'd done more of this or more of that, or, you know, things like that, but hindsight is... <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm and, not sure what my influence on it all was, you know, by example, but... Uh, when we first got here, I would go to Mass on Sundays, essentially <coughs> by myself. And first, we lived near St. Jude. We'd go there. Then I was out in the Lawrenceville area and go to Mass there. And, and then we moved into the house, you know, so we're in the St. Jude area again. And I'd go to Mass. And what you would I started going start along. Going along mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there was a funny story where... Um, I was pre- very pregnant with our first child, and I had started going to Mass with him more. Um, I guess children make you think you've got to go, you know, make sure you go back to church and things like that. But um, a lady came up to me, and she said, is that your husband? And I said, yes, it is. And she said, oh, well, I've had my eye on him for my daughter because he always looks so devout when he's kneeling and praying. Aww. And I thought, well, I'm sorry, he's taken, he's you taken. know. <laughs> he's very taken. Uh, but anyway, that was just, you know. So it, it, Bob's faith has always just been more of a, just a quiet, steady faith throughout our family. Um, so that's... And, and I want to return, Nancy, to your what drew, drew you to the church was the Eucharist, and so then your your son became a priest. Uh, when was the, you you received Eucharist from your son at his first mass? Or? Yes, I mean we did. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Was there? I mean, have you ever kind of gone back and and reflected on that connection uh, of uh, your son bringing the Eucharist and how that would drew you to the church? I, I really hadn't put mm-hmm. it together, but you know. I think that's very, very interesting perspective, and I think that's that's beautiful the well, way that you know that you put it. And uh, just to we were on the Italy pilgrimage, as he said, just recently returned from that, and just to see him celebrate Mass at the Vatican, and then in so many other beautiful churches, you know, throughout Italy, because we had daily Mass. It was just, it's just not. It's just hard to describe, but it just does fill you up with such joy. And how is it, Father, for you to be able to provide Eucharist for your parents? I, I assume you don't go to confession to your son. That would just be kind of awkward. But he could, technically. No, but that, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't allow it. Wouldn't allow it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and actually, you may ask, ask this question. As, uh, as parents of a priest, do they receive, uh, traditionally there, were, there have been in the past that they receive something yeah, um, my, from you? My dad received the first, the stole that I heard my first confession with, and our fathers teach us um, justice, and we use justice um, tempered with mercy in the confessional, and so that gift is presented to him, and then uh, the mother of the priest is presented with the manaturgium, which is the cloth used to wipe the uh, oil from our hands at the ordination mass, and then um, when they're uh, called home, uh, they're buried with those uh, those items, and then as they approach the gates of heaven, uh, Jesus will look at them and say, "I gave you a son. What did you do for me?" And they hold it up and they say, "I gave you a priest." Uh, and it's like a 
get in, get into heaven free card. I don't know. I don't know about that. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, but it's a, it's a beautiful tradition. Depending upon your yeah. life. Huh? No, it's a beautiful thing. It was a, no, it was very touching. And it makes everybody those. cry. Um, and yeah, so it's just a nice. A good reminder. A good reminder. Folks, if you're just joining us, we are visiting with the Nodalski family, uh, Father Tim Nodalski and Bob and Nancy. I'd like to thank Deacon Jim and Steph for calling in in honor of Father Tim. Uh, They gave a nice gift. Also, uh, checking in online is Aaron uh, giving a gift in uh, honor of Father Tim. Folks, every dollar that's being given is doubled this hour. So Deacon Jim and Steph, your dollars are doubled. Aaron, your dollars are doubled. Also, Cheryl Cheryl checking in online in in honor of Father Tim. Thank you for that gift. Your dollars are doubled this hour. Give us a call, 470-470. 508-1160 or give online thequestatlanta.com 470-508-1160 or thequestatlanta.com I'll give you an update here folks this hour where are we at uh, raised just under $1,500 this hour and again that is doubled up to $3,300 we could have a great hour if you just give us a call 470-508-1160 I am hearing some phone lines out there ringing so keep them ringing and keep uh, giving in honor of, uh, of our priests and of the parents who make these sacrifices. Father, I want to come back to you. Question, um, so after you're ordained, coming into the priesthood, what are, what are the, some of the, the uh, most amazing graces you have received as a, as a priest? Um, I mean, obviously, the, just saying Mass. Um, a lot of priests will say that the first Mass uh, kind of makes up for all of the difficulty and trouble of going through seminary. Uh, just the the effect of of doing that, um, and then hearing confessions too, um, being called father by people that are old enough to be my grandparents, um, you know, it, it's odd sometimes. Um, but to be able to to offer the sacraments, to offer God's mercy, to bring people back, um, I wanted to mention uh, that uh, when I was in Athens, we had a radio station there. Um, and it was supported pretty much just uh, by by the parish, and uh, we would do a second collection for it every uh, every quarter. And at first, I remember thinking, "What a waste of time! Who listens to the radio?" Um, and I thought, "In Catholic radio, is anybody going to listen to that?" Um, but then the number of times that I would have somebody in the confessional that had been fifteen, twenty, thirty years since they've been to confession, and I would ask him, I said, "Just for my own knowledge, what what was it that brought you back to confession after so long?" And they'd say, oh, I was listening to that radio station, and I heard something, and it just really you know, struck me, and I knew that I had to come back. And that was not a single event. That happened several times. Um, and so from that point forward, I recognized, okay, there is importance here to, to Catholic radio. I thought it was – I didn't quite understand why we were putting all this uh, uh, energy and effort and resources into it. But um, that being said, I, I, I recognized the, uh, the great value of it in – if it brings one person back, wonderful. So uh, to those listening, do indeed uh, support this radio station um, with, your, uh, with your contributions, recognizing that uh, it, may, it may be the thing that brings somebody back to the faith. It may be the thing that gets that, uh, that prodigal son to recognize uh, that they need to return to the Father's mercy. Um, and so I, I just can't praise uh, the, the role of Catholic radio enough. Wonderful, Father. Would you give the number for us? It is 470-508-1160 or thequestatlanta.com. Folks, you heard it right here, and it's just such a uh, thank you for saying that. It's just we have heard that story across the nation um, from priests, bishops. It's like, hey, you know what? It seems like radio's dead, but then I hear people coming back to the church. Many priests tell me that uh, a quarter of the people who come through RCIA come back and say, I'm drawn to the church because of Catholic Radio. Um, folks, this is what you get to be a part of when you support the quest, when you support local Catholic Radio radio station. Give us a call, 470-508-1160, or as Father said, thequestatlanta.com. I'd like to thank uh, Elizabeth for checking in in honor of Christine uh, Faluk. I think that was, uh, she was on the first hour, right? So thank you for checking in, Elizabeth. You can also uh, give online at uh, thequestatlanta.com as Elizabeth did. You can continue to call in 470-508-1160. Just a few minutes here uh, left to the top of the hour. Um, I'm going to, Bob and Nancy, uh, any last uh, thoughts you'd like to share with us on Father? I'm going to come to you next. So 
Uh, Bob and Nancy, any any uh, final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, what do you think of Catholic Radio? Do you? Uh... Um, I listen to it all the time. So <laughs> he listens in and out when he's in my car, but it's always on in my car, and I'm just um, amazed at some of the shows that are on, and I just think they're they're informative, and um, they it's just a to, to know that there's a faith community, you know, within the radio station that supports other Catholics and hopefully draws, as he said, a lot of people back to the to the church. But um, so I, I I enjoy listening to lots of different shows on on the Quest. Do you have a specific favorite one that comes to mind? Well, I mean, I love listening to Father John Ricardo. Anything he has to say is top notch, and I liked. Um, Dr. David Anders, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. With the, yeah, called to communion. Called to communion. Even though that's for non-cap, maybe I'm drawn to it because I'm a convert. But um, we all learn. Yeah. He he's so informative and and so he's very intellectual too, you know. And he's just very informative um, and great uh, responses that he has to people that help you. That sometimes when you get questions, that you can rely on on things he said to explain the faith. He just explains the faith so beautifully. Absolutely. Bob, you have any thoughts on uh, listening to Catholic Radio? Uh, no, I just want to say thank you for having us on so that we can help uh, in, in the endeavors of the quest. Yeah. So. Well, thank you for being here. Father, I'll give you the, we've got about a minute left. I'll give you the final thoughts. Um, yeah, it's been good to be here. Um, if I had to give advice to parents on uh, vocations for their sons, don't pressure them, um, but be open to it. Uh, also, don't don't be selfish and, you know, saying I, I want a grandchild or, um, you know, I, I don't want that life for my son. A lot of people say that. And it, it, it almost hurts my feelings when people say that. I wouldn't want that life for my son. And it's like, well, thanks a lot. Mm. Um, but it's a beautiful life. Uh, it's a life that, um, you know, we're called father for a reason because we, we generate spiritual life. People often say, you know, it's so sad that you don't have a wife, you don't have children. But indeed, I've got a huge family. I've got a lot of children. I've got um, almost 1,500 families in my parish. And I consider all of them to be my children. So um, just be open uh, to, to your children. Uh, don't pressure them uh, and let the Holy Spirit guide them. Thank you, Father. That's uh, Father Tim Nadolski and his parents, Bob and Nancy. Thank you for being here with us this hour. Folks, I'm going to give you a quick update. Uh, top of the hour, I do legal ID, but I've, we've raised $1,440 this hour. We do want to get to that $3,300 goal. So maybe a couple of people can call in at that $500 or $1,000 level. It's 470-508-1160 or thequestatlanta.com. Maria, thank you for being here with us this hour. My pleasure. Folks, 470-508-1160 or thequestatlanta.com. Don't let this pass you by the opportunity to have your dollars matched in honor of our priests, in honor of the great work they do and bringing us the sacraments. You are listening to AM 1160 WCFO, East Point, Atlanta, The Quest. <laughs> 